The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Here today in this, the right scripture we heard from John, we see a very angry Jesus, even violent Jesus, making whips out of cords and whipping people who are selling animals for sacrifices out in the courts, overturning the money changers' tables. This is one of my favorite kinds of anger to claim for myself when I get a chance. It's righteous indignation, (laughs) right? When you're right and they're wrong, and you get to be angry about it, (laughs) and you get to tell them so. Every time I read the paper, I wish they could hear my righteous indignation. The, the legislature is finally ending. I wish they could hear my righteous indignation. Am I alone in thinking they ta- spend a lot of time talking about nonsense? I don't mean to get off on that. But here we have Jesus filled with righteous indignation. Righteous rage even. What is it he's angry about? What's what's on Jesus' mind here? Often it's said that he's upset about people engaging in business in the temple because the temple is such a sacred place and it's, it's lost its sacredness in the midst of all of that. I really like the analogy of, of uh, having to buy the movie candy. Because it is. It's so expensive, isn't it? Uh, five bucks for a drink. Uh, and uh, often it's thought, you know, it's felt that it's this business of doing commerce in the Lord's house. But the truth is that they were. There's more going on here. You, you know, I'm, I'm sure that all of that was was bad. But these money changers were providing a service that was deemed necessary in order to get into the temple and make your offering. You couldn't bring Roman money to the temple. And so you had to exchange it at, at a markup. You had to exchange it for temple cash. And so you would exchange it and, and give the money changers a little percentage of that. And you had to turn it into cash that did not have Caesar's picture on it. In addition to that, they had all of these animals that you had to purchase in order to sacrifice for your... And this is as spelled out for us in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and the the things they did out in Exodus. Uh, They were doing what the temple work required them to do. 
was exchange these things and sell these animals to people so that they could perform their temple duties. But Jesus is frustrated here with more than just how the temple works and how they have to go through this. And it wasn't that he was anti-Jewish either. Uh, Sometimes, especially in John, we get a feeling that Jesus is somehow anti-Jewish. But here's news, Jesus was Jewish. And, uh, you know, and it was out of his Jewishness that he was calling the religious institutions of his time to task. What I think Jesus was about in the cleansing of the temple was symbolically tearing down the system of oppression that colluded to keep some people down while others continued to thrive at their expense. I think Jesus was beginning His own little, if I may put it this way, Occupy the Temple movement right there in Jerusalem. At the heart of Jesus' message about the Kingdom of God was the notion that the Kingdom of God was not being lived out when the religious aristocracy conspired with the Roman imperial system in order to exploit the poor, the disenfranchised, and the people on the margins. It is this desire for justice that moves Jesus to such an ardent and passionate display for such zeal for his father's house. It is seeing that the trappings of religion were being used to give some people wealth and keep other people in poverty. New Testament scholar John Dominic Crossan says regarding this scene, Jesus was not against the temple as such and not against the high priesthood as such, It was a protest from the legal and prophetic heart of Judaism against Jewish religious cooperation with the Roman imperial control. Jesus was symbolically tearing down the broken religious system. Symbolically tearing down the temple. An appropriate symbol as the temple was... uh, This temple was in fact in the midst of a renovation... The temple was one that was built on the ruins of Solomon's temple after it had been destroyed by the uh, Assyrians. Built when the Jewish people returned from the exile and were given permission by Cyrus to rebuild the temple. Under the direction of Zerubbabel, a humble temple was constructed over several decades. Wasn't much to look at. Wasn't fancy. Not like this temple. It was a humble little temple there in Jerusalem. And while some renovations had, been taken, had taken place over the years, the temple remained unimpressive by Greek and Roman standards. So in 19 BCE, Herod the Great announced that he was going to rebuild the temple. And he wanted to tear it all down and start over. But what actually took place was a renovation that put new facades and colonnades around the existing inner structure so that the second temple, which is the Zerubbabel's temple, was still in use throughout the reconstruction. Herod basically laid over the top of the old humble temple a new elaborate architecture that was more in keeping with an imperial puppet state such as Herod ran. One of the features on the temple was in fact a Roman eagle that sat atop the main gate, the beautiful gate, they called it. And when Herod died, they tore it down as a 
symbol of how much they loved Herod. <laughs> so the temple in Jesus' day represented a lot more than just a religious system and the worship of God. It was this imperial system, this system that used religion to keep people at bay, this oppressive system, this broken system that Jesus symbolically overturns as he overturns the tables in the temple courts. It is a broken religion, and Jesus calls our attention to it. I've been reading a lot lately about the Christian church, where it is going, and how we will get there. In a lot of ways, our own religion is being overturned in the world we live in now. This isn't news to you. We've watched churches, those of us who grew up in church, we've watched the interest in church decline over the years. And people are pushing back against the way we have done religion in this country for the last couple of centuries. They're beginning to ask hard questions. There's this picture on Facebook that's been making the rounds lately, and it's a rather challenging one. I don't like to see it when it comes up because it, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> it shows this big, elaborate megachurch, you know the kind that looks like a stadium with all the big screens and everything like that. Uh, all everything's fancy and new and wonderful and then it it also shows next to it an emaciated starving African child and it says underneath it that if you think God cares about this the big elaborate church while this still exists the starving children then you are out of your expletive mind it's a challenging picture. It's a hard picture for me to deal with because, quite frankly, we have a, a big, elaborate church. And while I can, I can tell you that it's more complicated than that, obviously. Religion is. It's more complicated than just making this choice over this choice. Although on some level it is that simple, making this choice over this choice. I can tell you, I can make excuses like, which isn't an excuse, this is real, that Sacred space is important. Sacred imagery is important. Uh, the, this building, this church body, and the building that represents it being on this hill for so long over the years, it's important. And we represent something. A beacon on the hill, amen? But at the same time, it's a challenging image. One that ekes at the core and asks hard questions. Jesus overturned the temple system not because He was rejecting Judaism, but because Judaism, as it was being lived out, lost its heart. And so oftentimes when we look around at the trappings of Christianity, it feels like Christianity has lost its heart, lost its oomph, lost its impact. That temple as Jesus, that system that Jesus was, was protesting needed to be torn down, needed to be raised from the dead. And in our own time, when religion becomes a political football, then it needs to be overturned. When religion puts comfort 
over compassion. It needs to be overturned. When religion is just a building, never touching the people inside, let alone those outside the building, that it needs to be underturned, overturned. When religion is used to say who is in and who is out, then it needs to be overturned. When religion says, I got mine, you go get yours somewhere else, then it needs to be overturned. When being the institution becomes more important than being the body of Christ, then it needs to be overturned. Amen? You can say amen. That's okay. We're Baptists, right? When being right is more important than being merciful, then it needs to be overturned. When religion makes promises it can't keep and then blames the people to whom those promises were made, it needs to be overturned. Amen. It must be overturned in the hope of redemption. It must be overturned so that it may be what God wanted it to be. It must be overturned in the hope of resurrection. Amen. We've been reflecting on our brokenness over Lent. Many of it, much of it has been rather personal. Today it's a time to reflect on our brokenness as a church, as a, as a people, as a religion. What in our own life together as an institution needs to be overturned? What has been overturned already? I, you know, I, this is, this is, if you feel like I'm being cynical about the church, don't get me wrong. I'm a lover of the church, amen? And I think we're well on our way. This, I'm so, excited with this body of people who doesn't shrink away from the hard questions but asks them boldly and adjusts themselves in order to be the body of Christ I'm impressed with that and uh, but I think all of society is asking Christianity these hard questions and we need to continue to ask where does the institution where does religion need to be redeemed for there is redemption in our brokenness there is healing that is what Lent is all about after all mending our brokenness bringing those cracked worrisome ineffective parts before God and saying God this isn't working anymore help us fix it fix it for us as we reflect on our own personal brokenness, asking ourselves, where is my religion taking place of my relationship with Christ? Where is my religion taking place of real, honest spirituality and connection and communion with God? Where is my religiosity taking place, taking the place of that Holy Spirit connection we have with one another and with the rest of humanity? Where is my own religiosity getting in the way? And where is my institutions, my church's religiosity getting in the way? And how can we be a better reflection of the body of Christ? Moving down that journey more and more each day and inviting God to be our guide, our light, and allowing the zeal even that righteous indignation, if you will, stir up in our own hearts for the house of God that God might be glorified, acknowledged, 
experienced and draw us all together. Let us pray. Loving God, we, we hear Christ's anger at the system in Jerusalem that kept so many out when what it was designed to do was draw people in toward You. Help us not to make those same mistakes. May we be honed every day, moving closer and closer to a reflection of the kingdom of God You came to live for, to die for, and to be resurrected for. We ask all these things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.